number of different fascinating, fascinating this. Here we go. We're up to Dav, Chavdalid in Mesechus Yavamas, and we got up to the two dots. So we're four lines from the top of the Omer. It's going to be a fun journey today's Dav. We said if, the, again, two guys got married to two sisters and then they both died and each one has two brothers. So there's, you're supposed to have one do chalitza, another one does yibum. However, if they went ahead and married, we're not going to force them to divorce them. Tani Shila, Shila taught, even if both brothers are kohanim, meaning there's a chance that if we allow them to keep this woman, they're marrying a chalitza. So, even if they're kahanim, we're allowing them to stay. My time, oh, why? You know why? Chalutza de Rabbanon, he, midai raisa, a kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee. But a chalutza is a gezerah de Rabbanon. It's a rabbinic decree, maybe somebody will come to marry a grusha. But her herself is really only also mid Rabbanon, and therefore, v'safek chalutza, by a safek chalutza like us, Rabbanon, the Rabbanon never made their gezerah. Now let's clarify. Let's clarify something. What the Gemara just said was, we're not letting them stay because it's only an Isser de Rabbanon. You know why we're letting them stay? Because it's not even an Isser de Rabbanon. Why? The Rabbanon said a Kohen cannot marry a Chalutza when it's a certain Chalutza. But if a Kohen were to marry a Suffolk Chalutza, it's never a decree. Therefore, they're not, it's not even a rabbinical transgression. Hence, they're allowed to stay with their wives, not obligated to divorce. Okay? The Chalutza de Rabbani says the Gemara, is it really true? The Chalutza is the Rabbani. Vatana, we learned in the Bryce of Gerusha, in the Elegerusha, the Torah says, the Kayin is not allowed to marry a divorcee. I only know a divorcee. Chalutza minayin. How do you know you're not allowed to marry a Chalutza? Midai Raisa. Tamud Laimar Ve'isha. Ve'isha. And a woman. Okay? Any woman uh, who's divorced, separated from her husband, you're not allowed to take. So, why does it say Be'isha? We already know it's talking about a full-fledged wife. It must be. It's coming to exclude even Midai Raisa that a Kohen's not allowed to marry a Chalutza. And it's not the Rabbanon. Answers the Gemara, last step before the Mishnah, Midai Rabbanon, who really it is Midai Rabbanon. And this that we said, Be'isha, no, Ukras, Machtabamli. The Rabbanon sometimes make a decree and then find afterwards a word in the Torah to hang their decree on, but it doesn't turn it into a biblical transgression. It remains rabbinical transgression, but they make an asmachta. They hang that, uh, that rabbinic decree on the Pasuk to just strengthen it and to show that there is a source, you know, uh, hinting to the decree that we made. Okay, fine, very good, period. End of that Gemara. Bottom line, we're walking away, Chalitza, uh, for a Kohen to marry a Chalutza is Aser Midra Banan. It's not Aser Midai Raisa. And we're sticking to our guns by saying Mida, that the Rabbanon only said you can't marry a certain Chalutza, but by a case of Safi Chalutza, like the case we gave the two brothers, then there's not going to be a problem. Um, we shouldn't say it's not a problem, but we're not going to tell the fellow he needs to divorce his wife. Okay, period. End of the Gemara. Listen to this Mishnah. Hey, look at stuff. Very straightforward, actually. If you have two brothers who have a Yavama fall to them, which one should do Yibam? Which one? Who, who has Kadima? Who gets first dibs on fulfilling the mitzvah? And he takes? The oldest. The oldest one. Okay. Why? Huh? We don't know yet. We don't know. Okay. But right now it seemed like called the Olam Gavar, right? <laughs> Whoever's stronger, whoever wants to grab her first can go grab her. That's it, right? False to two brothers. 
All we said in the previous Mishnah is one brother goes ahead and marries her. Which one? We don't know. So our Mishnah is going to kick in and give us some various halachos and their sources. Mitzvah bagodoli yavim. Says the, mitzvah, says the Mishnah. There is a mitzvah on the oldest brother first to do the Yibam. However, if the baby brother comes along and does Yibam on the wife, it's a valid Yibam and he stays with her. Okay, fascinating Mishnah. The Gemara is going to get into the kishkas of this and the sources. It's going to lead us, lead us into some beautiful, uh, beautiful messages and limudim. Here we go. Tana Rabbanon, the rabbis lined and so should we. When it says, um, when it says in the Pasuk of Yibum itself, it's not like the Mishnah is giving me a chiddush. Oh, the oldest one comes first. The Gemara says, it's a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, what is a Bechar? Anybody here want to translate Bechar? We usually translate Bechar as firstborn. Now this is going to send us rocking for the next little bit. When, when a brother dies, childless, and the Bechar, the firstborn one, should take the place of his brother. It says in the Pasuk, so that his name is not erased from Klai Yisrael. Okay. Asher Teilade, that she can give birth, meaning... That you want to have a child. The oldest brother is going to have a child with his wife. What does that teach me? It's excluding if the Yavama is an islandess who's not able to have children. There's no mitzvah of Yibum. Because again, why are we having mitzvah of Yibum? To have a child. If she can't have a child, there's no mitzvah of Yibum. Okay. Yakum al Shem Achiv. What does it mean that it, when she has a child, now that you did Yibum and she has a baby, she has a child, this child is Yakum al or something is Yakum al Shem Achiv. He takes the place of his brother. You know what that means? Lenachala. For inheritance. Meaning, when you do Yibum on a woman, you take over your brother's estate. Now, this is very interesting. Usually, if you have a brother who dies childless, and he's got three brothers. Say he has four brothers. One dies childless. Who's going to inherit him? His three brothers. Says the Pasuk, if one of them does Yibum, he takes the place in inheritance. What's happening here? So let's explain. Ata Omer Lenachala. Does this mean that whoever does Yibum inherits him like completely? Is that what it means? Like financially, he gets all his money, he gets his house, he gets his car? Maybe it means that he mamish, he, he mamish takes on the name of his dead brother. Okay? Okay? Meaning, it is. The name of the dead brother is going to be taken over by the brother who does Ibum. Yosef, current I say If your dead brother's name was Yosef, your name becomes Yosef. Yechanan, current I say And if your brother was Yechanan, you become Yechanan. Hit us. Why two examples? Huh? Okay. I don't know. Maybe some people don't like the name Yechanan. I don't know. Rabbi is asking a good kasha. Why do we got to give two examples? All right. They got the idea. 
Right? The idea in the Kaddish, what does it mean you take over his name? Does it mean you get his money? Or does it mean you, your name becomes Yosef, the same name as the dead brother? So, so let's, let's, uh, let's figure this out first. Namar Khan, Yakum al Shem Achiv, it says over here that you take over your brother's name. And it says by inheritance, when it comes to the brachos that Yaakov gives to his grandchildren, Ephraim and Menasheh, he says that they're both going to become the Shevet of Yosef. Nachala, just like by Yaakov Avinu, it means an inheritance. Avshema Omer Nachala. So to over here, it means an inheritance. Hence, you hear this? If you do Yibam on your brother's wife, you get all his money. And it does not get divided amongst all the brothers. It doesn't get divided amongst all the brothers like it usually would. You, Manish, become him. You take him over. Says the Gemara, Velo And when you have a child... His name, your dead brother's name, will not be erased from Klal Yisrael. Pratlis This excludes um, if one of the brothers is is a Sris, is a, is if if the dead brother was a Sris, if the brother who died childless wasn't capable of having children, then Shmai Machoi, his name is already erased, and therefore you wouldn't do Yibam. So fascinating, fascinating pasuk. Let's go through each step of the Pasuk. Let's, go, let's, let's read the Pasuk again now. Okay, what did we just say? We said like this. And it's going to be the firstborn. Okay, so far we think it's literally the Bukhar. Asher Teled, who has a child, which means excluding an islandess. If the, if the Yavama is an islandess, you're not going to do Yibum. Al Shem Achiv Hamez. You take over your enti- the entire estate. Of your brother, and by doing that, you're ensuring that his name won't be erased. But if he's sterile and it was previously erased because of his own physical limitations, there's not going to be Yibam either. That's how you read the Pasuk, period. Okay, fascinating four halachos that we just explained. Amazing. Now listen to this. Amar Rava Rava says, Even though throughout the entire Torah, you always need to take the words at face value. You can always darshan deeper, but you, the words do not leave their simple meaning. Here, however, overrides the simple reading and it completely changes the simple meaning. Completely changes the simple meaning. Okay? Now, how do you see this? Let's see. Because... If not for the Gzeira Shava, have I mean a shame, shame, Amish? I would have thought, you know what shame means? Now, what's the Gzeira Shava? To Yaakov and the grandchildren, right? If not for Yaakov telling his grandchildren that, oh, you're both going to take the place of your father and be called Shevet Yosef, what would we have said? It's literally the name. The Yavama literally becomes, Yo- I'm sorry, the Yavam becomes Yosef, the same name as his dead brother, or Yechinan, okay? Now, the reason why we said it changes is because of what Yaakov uh, gave his grandchildren, so, so Mamelot's inheritance. Now, who would the Torah be talking to and saying, this becomes literally your name? Yavam? Is it talking to the Yavam? Why? It should have said, you take over the place of your brother. That's all you need to say. You don't need to say the Shemach Achiv. You don't need to say the name of your brother. Your brother... And if it's talking about a Bezdin itself, then in other words, that he's, Rashi explains, we're telling the Bezdin that after 
the Yavam and Yavama marry and they have a baby, this baby should be given the same name as the, as the deceased father, if that's what it means. It should have said this baby should be named after the brother of his father, his uncle, who's also the previous husband of his mother. Okay? So basically what the Gemara is saying, listen, I would have already known this halacha, hence, why do I need a Gzera Shava at all? That's what the Gemara is asking. It says, Maybe the Gemara is talking to Bezdin. What does it mean when they say to the Yavam, he takes on the name of your brother? You could translate it like that. Rather, we, it must be that the Gzereshav is coming and changing the entire meaning of the Pasuk and letting us know to not translate the Pasuk literally. And it's completely dependent on our uh, on our drushas and our gzeira shava. Okay, period. That's just going through the kishkas of the pasuk. Now the gemara is going to dissect the pasuk. Let's. What was the first word? What was the first word? What do we say in our mishnah? Our mishnah interestingly said, "Look back up. It's a mitzvah begadol." What does Gadol mean? Your big brother. That's what a Gadol means. Right? That's what Gadol, big brother. What did the Pasuk say? Is it the big brother who does it? No, that's not what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says, the Bechar does it. So just to explain what should be bothering us. Let's say the dead brother is a Bechar. The oldest brother died childless. If you read the words of the Pasuk, there's no mitzvah of Yibam. Because there's no Bukhar to do Yibum. Nobody else is a firstborn. But if you look at the words of the Mishnah, now the Mishnah can't argue in the Pasuk, the Mishnah must be explaining the Pasuk. But the word the Mishnah uses is Gadol, whoever's the oldest. So we need to now see how we got from the jump of the Pasuk to the Mishnah. The Pasuk just says the Bukhar. The Mishnah says the Gadol. How did we get from point A to point B? See, here we go. Now that we said the word uh, the word Bukhar is referring to the oldest, Ema Bukharli Yavim. Are you going to, maybe I should say that only a Bukhar should do Yibim, Pashut, Loi, Mibai, but a regular brother should not. Okay, now that we said Bukhar means the, the oldest, the oldest child of the relationship should be given the name as his, right, as the, the deceased brother. So maybe Bukhar means Bukhar Mamish, meaning. If there's no firstborn, there's no Yibam. Says the Gemara, it can't be. Ooh, what a comeback. What a comeback. Listen to this answer. The question is, maybe only a firstborn does Yibam. You know what the Gemara is answering? Not possible. You know why? Because previously we brought a Pusuk to tell me there's no Yibam on a brother that was not yet born at the time that the brother died. Now let me ask you a question. This brand new brother, is there a chance he's a Bukhar? Is there a chance he's a firstborn? No way! His older brother already died. And still we need a Pasuk to exclude him from Ibum. It must be that when we say Bukhar in the Pasuk, firstborn in the Pasuk, it's not literal. It doesn't mean the firstborn. Beautiful. Says the Gemara, one second, Parach Ravach, Ravach asked, Ve'ima lamute Bukhar de'ima. Why not? Maybe it's coming to exclude a Bukhar of the mother. Okay? In other words, you have a younger brother who's not yet in the world, 
And that's the type of brother, and your maternal brother, that's the brother we're excluding. Says the Gemara, no, no, that's not possible. <laughs> that's not possible. Why? Because we know we don't work maternally. The Yibam Venachla Talarachmana, the Torah makes Yibam dependent on, similar to inheritance. Venachla Menaav, and Nachla comes from the father, and after the mother, there's no maternal relationship. Hence, we're sticking with our guns. There's no way Bukhar is literal. There's no way that Bukhar is literal. Bukhar in the Pasuk needs to mean older. It can't mean a firstborn. Otherwise, you wouldn't need a, a verse to exclude this new baby brother who was never born in the world. Okay. Says Maybe we should say, why do we use the word Bukhar? Maybe what it means is as follows. Says the Gemara. Okay. The Ema, perhaps we should say, you know why it says the word Bachar? Ki Ika Bachar, if there is a firstborn in the family, then Tiskaya Mitzvah Zibam. Then you should have a Mitzvah Zibam. Ki Leka Bachar, when there's no Bachar, like Tiskaya Mitzvah Zibam, there's no Mitzvah Zibam. Maybe that's what it means. Okay? In other words, what we just proved is, granted, Yibam is not strictly on the Bachar, can't be, but, may, but we're bothered. So why did the Torah say firstborn? If it doesn't mean firstborn, why'd you say it? Sigmar says, oh, I have a logic. I'll tell you why. Letting me know if there's a firstborn amongst the brothers, then any brother could do it. But if there's no firstborn around and there's no Bukhar in the family, there's not going to be Yibam for whatever reason. Says the Gemara, one second, that can't be. Omar Kro umes acher mehem. Because the Torah says, if one of the brothers dies, isn't that including a case when the firstborn himself would be the childless brother? The Torah still says the younger one does Yibam. Right? So let's say you have a Yavama and she's left behind the two brothers. The older brother's the Bechar, he dies. It seems to imply from the Torah the younger brother should still do Yibam even though the firstborn's not there. So again, the word Bechar, we're confused. It cannot mean literally the firstborn. We already showed that. It can't mean that there has to be a firstborn alive, alive in the family. We just showed that. So why does it say Bukhar? Says the Gemara, let's try something else. The Ema Demis Katan. Maybe you'll say, it's not that the older brother died, just the younger brother died. V'yom Rachmana liyavim Bukhar. The Torah is telling the Bukhar to do Yibam? No. Hamiya Rachmana Isha Sachav Shlaheya Ba'ilama. The Torah excluded Isha Sachav Shlaheya Ba'ilama. We're going back to that idea. Which means, bottom line, what we're establishing is... There's no way, shape or form, that Bukhar is literally a firstborn. Rather, what must it be? It must be that it applies to any brother. Okay, now there's a serious gap in this. What's the gap? We still don't know why it says Bukhar. The Torah could have written the brother, the older brother. Why is it writing the firstborn brother? We've just established very clearly it's not a firstborn. Okay? So there, there's two things that the Gemara just accomplished. First of all, you don't need to literally be a firstborn. And, um, and secondly, the mitzvah could be done by any one of the brothers, whether or not there's a Bukhar in the family. Okay. Says the Gemara, Says the Gemara, Okay, one second. Maybe, you know why it says Bukhar? It's letting me know that if a younger brother jumps the older one to do the Yibam, maybe it doesn't work. But if there's no Bukhar there, that's when you could jump. In other words, you know, there are certain walls you could jump over. We said if a younger brother uh, jumps ahead and does Yibam, 
before an older brother, it's valid. Ask the Gemara, maybe that's true by a regular brother. But by a Bechar, you can't go before the, the Bechar. And that's why it says Bechar. No, Amar Kro, Ki Achim Yachtov. Huksha Yeshivas Achim Zelazel. All brothers are similar, are, are similar to each other. We're not making any special halachos for the firstborn. Maybe the Torah, by mentioning Bechar, <coughs> is letting me know that if there's a Bechar, we go back to the older one. And if there's no Bechar, you don't go back to the older one. Alama Tani Abai Kashisha, why did Abai Kashisha teach us Mitzvah Bagadali Avim Lai Ratsa if he doesn't want to Hochemitzal Akhibakatan Lai Ratsa Khizran Aitzal Godli? Go back to the older one. Question mark. Let's explain the question. There's a beautiful question. Ready for this? Very uh is practical, and I'm gonna give a little bit of a family incident that has to do with this. So in this question. The Gemara says like this, here's the halacha. If you have five brothers, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar. Reuven dies. There's four brothers for Yibam. Who gets first dibs? Shimon. And Shimon doesn't want to? Levi. Levi doesn't want to? Yehuda. Yehuda doesn't want to? Yisachar. Yisachar doesn't want to. Nobody wants to do Yibam. So now what needs to be done? Chalitza. Who does the chalitza? You go back to the oldest one. And we say, listen, you were the first one to start this. You do the chalitza. Okay? Now, that means we're always going back to the oldest brother, who, the, the one who it, uh, who it started out with. The Gemara is saying, maybe the reason why it says Bachar is letting me know that if there's a firstborn, that's when we go back to the oldest to do chalitza. But let's say the firstborn's dead. Maybe we're not going to walk over to Shimon. And say, Shimon, it's your achrayas. Maybe once there's no Bukhar, we say, listen, any brother should do it. That's the Gemara's question. Okay? So says the Gemara, Kibachar, Ma Bukhar, Bukhairasa, Gamalai, Afgadogadalazadam. There shouldn't be a difference between a firstborn and an oldest. Okay, it should be the same thing. There's no reason to say, oh, if there's a firstborn, you go back to the top. And if it's not a firstborn, you don't go back to the top. So it's a very interesting uh, scenario. And I don't know all the kishkas or why the psak went like this. But I am, Bliyayin uh, Hara, the youngest of six brothers. The youngest of six brothers. One of my brothers <clears throat> um, was in need of a kidney transplant. Uh, we're probably going back, I don't know. I'm scared to give a number of years. Maybe 15 years ago or so. He was in need of a kidney transplant. It's got to be probably even more recent, whatever, I'm terrible with years. Let's say 15 years ago. Okay. So uh, the family found out. We all knew my brother needs a kidney transplant. So now there's, there's 13 children, Bliay and Hara, plus at the time, my parents. Okay, yeah, it had to be at least 15 years ago. Um, so everybody's, uh, you know, everybody's fighting. Who gets the mitzvah? Who gets the mitzvah? So uh, my oldest brother, Shmoli, who's a rabbi in Lakewood, um, he calls up my brother, and he's, uh, he's, a, he's, got, he's a real jokester. So he calls him up, and he says, brother, I got two kidneys. Take your pick. My right side is modern orthodox, my left side is yeshivish. Take whichever one you want. <laughs> you got it. All right, but be it as it may, it turned into a real question. Why? Because, Baruch Hashem, all of the siblings wanted to, wanted to give my brother the kidney. Okay, so he had 
two parents and 12 siblings who were offering kidneys. So they asked, um, they asked the, you know, the doctors, the doctors at the time said that um, he didn't recommend my father, Zechariah Levracha, uh, do it because of his age. He said the, the, my sisters were, were still in their childbearing years. So he didn't recommend that you start with the girls. He said, start with the boys. So there was my mother and um, there was my mother and six sons. Now, one of them needed the kidneys. So it's my mother and five boys. And the doctor said that they're willing to test five people at a time to be a match. Okay. So he recommended that they do my mother and the four older brothers just because sometimes it doesn't last for so long and you'll still have a younger brother for later. You know, in case something goes wrong with the kidney. Okay, that was his, that was recommendation. So they did the, um, I'm leaving out, you know, the details here that aren't necessary, but they did the testing. Everybody, uh, everybody was a par- at least a partial match and two of my brothers were perfect matches. So now they had a Shiloh. Each brother wanted to give their kidney. So my, my, my parents asked Rabbi Hopfer, Shlita, uh, from uh, Glen Avenue Shul in Baltimore. And Rabbi Hopfer paskind that this situation takes on the halachos of Yibam. I don't know why, but he says this situation takes on the laws of Yibam, and therefore the oldest brother has Kadima. The oldest brother uh, gets to go first. All right, so they had uh, my, my two brothers. Ultimately, one of them, uh, okay. But that's, uh, there, there you have a bunch of brothers and, you know, uh, which one gets to go first. So even, uh, even a little, I don't know how, how Rabbi Hopfer connected the two. I didn't hear the whole sugya and the whole back and forth, but uh, an interesting story over here. All right, here we go. Says the Gemara of Eima, Ki miyavim b'char. When does the b'char, when is he the one to do the yibum? Lishkol nachala, maybe only when he does yibum, he gets the entire inheritance. Let's say a regular brother does Yibam. He doesn't get it. The Gemara is asking a great question. The verse says when the Bachar does it, he's also inheriting the brother. Says the, says the Gemara, okay, well maybe when the baby brother is doing it, maybe he should not be Zoha to receive the, um, he should not be Zoha to receive the rest of the, you know, to receive the Nachalas. So, so, why not? Because the Pasuk only says you inherit with the word Bechar. But if you're not the Bechar doing the Yibum, who says you get your brother's estate? Right? Who says you get it? You're not the full-fledged. That's right. That's right. Granted, you're the one who ended up doing the Yibum, but the, the, the Pasuk only said the, the Bechar gets it. So Amar Kro, says the Gemara, no, bottom line is, the verse says, you took your brother's place. Whoever's in his brother's place... He gets it. Now let's get to the elephant in the room. Top of the Omer base. What's the elephant in the room? We just established you start with the Bechar. It doesn't need to be the firstborn. So why in the Torah, why in the world did the Torah write Bechar? If the firstborn doesn't matter, don't write it. Answers the Gemara, it's actually coming to remove the rights of the Bechar 
when Yibum is done. Listen to this, this is amazing. Ma Bechar, just like the firstborn in a family, Eino Noto Beroi Kibamuchzuk does not get Pishnayim in something that's Roy, like a Muchzuk. Avhai, so to this Yavam, Eino Noto Beroi Kibamuchzuk does not take something that's, it, that's coming in like a Muchzuk. What does this mean? Beautiful halacha. There's a very, very interesting halacha. The firstborn, a Bechar, gets double portion. Okay? Why? The real answer is because the Torah says so. The other answer is from my mother, who says, because he's the guinea pig. All right? He's the guinea pig. He's the one who your parents have to get an experience off of. Once you get through the first one, <laughs> she would say there's a reason why the firstborn gets Pishnayim. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit of makeup for all our, <laughs> for, for, for them being the practice, right? Okay. But be it as it may, there's a very interesting rule about Pishnayim, about the double portion. And that is, the firstborn only gets double portion of what is already in the estate at the time of death. So if you have an estate worth a million dollars, and there's two million dollars owed to the estate coming in over the next five years, the Bukhar does not get double portion of what's coming in. You only get from what is valued in the estate at that time. That's the words over here. Eno notel, he does not take biro'oi, money that's fit to come in, kibimuchzuk, like money that already is in the estate. So too, says the Gemara, you know why the verse says bechar? Because this brother who takes over his brother's estate only inherits all that in things that are part of the estate at the time of his brother's death. Anything else that comes in afterwards, you don't, that's not yours. That's real, that's just gonna be split by every, every other inheritor. So you have three brothers, it'll be split amongst you and the three brothers. Again, you only take over the part of the estate that was there at the time, but not something that comes in later, which is fascinating. You hear this? Bottom line, it says, when the Bechar... I, when the Bechar does Yibum, I ask the Gemara, doesn't mean a Bechar, doesn't need to be a firstborn. I know, but you know why we wrote Bechar? To teach us how the Yavam's inheritance works. Very interesting. He works like a Bechar. You take over the estate of your brother because you took his wife. But you're only getting the part that was there at the time. Anything that comes in afterwards does not belong to you. Beautiful. Okay. Next Mishnah. Next Mishnah. All right. Chavra, complete shift of gears. Incredible conversation. Incredible conversation. Here we go. Hanitan ala shivcha, if somebody had rumors about him that he was having an affair with a non-Jewish slave woman. Now what's the, what's the halacha of a shivcha kananis owned by a Jew? What's the rule? If she's freed, she becomes Jewish. She's partially Jewish. A shifcha kananis. When she's free, she becomes Jewish. Listen to this. There's a yid. There's a rumor. He's having an affair with the shifcha kananis. The nishtachera and her her master frees her. She's now Jewish. Oh, Or there's a rumor that this Jew is having an affair with a non-Jewish woman. The and this non-Jewish woman converts. Harezelo yichnos. It doesn't look good. 
after there's a rumor about you having an affair with this shifcha or this non-Jewish woman, she converts and then you marry her? Come on. Something smells. And therefore, you're not allowed to marry her. However, the imkonas, if you do marry her, we don't force him to divorce her. You're not supposed to. But if you did, you're not obligated to divorce her. Okay. Hanitan al eshes ish. If there's a rumor that somebody's having an affair with a Jewish married woman. And because we'll see why for various reasons, it's paskind that her husband must divorce her. Okay? Because she's getting around. Okay? Even if the adulterer or the rumored adulterer marries her, Yotzi, we force him to divorce her. Okay, so there's a difference, says the Gemara, there's a big difference, says the Mishnah, there's a difference between a rumored affair between a shifcha and a non-Jewish woman in that you're not allowed to marry, but if you do, you could keep, and a rumor about an affair with a married woman who even if you do marry her, you're not allowed to keep her, you're obligated to leave. and You're obligated to divorce her and... We'll see why. We'll see what the, what the difference is. Just to give a little bit of a heads up as to what the halachic difference is. You'd say, listen, it's the same rumors. The, 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 the answer is that's true. However, the ramifications of an affair with a married woman are a lot more than otherwise because we know that if a married woman sleeps with an sleeps with a, a, a extramarital with another man, she becomes forbidden to her husband and the adulterer. Okay, as opposed to the the other scenarios. So we'll get there. Here we go. Says the Gemara, a very very interesting conversation about converts. And if you think this isn't common, this is incredibly common. Except you don't have to picture adultery. All you need to do is picture a married couple, an intermarried couple. This is not uncommon in United States of America. Listen to this, it's amazing. It seems, listen to this, a guy's rumored to have an affair with a non-Jewish woman. She converts. He marries her, he can keep her, says the, says the Gemara. But it seems she's a kosher convert. Even though something smells fishy. Why do you think she converted, huh? <laughs> Ever thought, of, why do you think she converted? For God? For the Torah? Because she wants to... Or maybe there's something else going on. Says the Gemara, she's a kosher convert. Says the Gemara, that is surprising. Veramini, I'll ask you contradiction. If you have a man who converts to Judaism because he, likes, he wants to marry a Jewish woman. Or you have a woman who converts because she likes a man. Also somebody who converts because of Shulchan Malachim. Okay. What does it mean? Shochem Malachim is interesting. People think if you become Jewish, all, that we have some sort of undercover thing going that you become rich. Yeah? So if they convert, they're going to learn all the secrets of the network and the underground, and therefore, you know, they're going to they're be privy to all the Jewish secrets. Okay. The Shom Avdei Shleimai, or Avdei Shleimai, as we explained, Avdei Shleimai were very, very uh, wealthy. Einam Gerim. They're not, this is not a valid Gerus. 
People who convert because they're scared of lions. What does it mean to convert? You're scared of lions. There was a time when Hashem would send lions against the, against the other nations and people were scared. They said, oh, let's convert to Judaism because it's scary to not be Jewish. Or somebody who converts because he's having all these, uh, all these dreams. Okay, he's having dreams. What are these dreams? He's having a, God came to him in a dream and told him to convert and keep the Torah. Okay, so he comes, he says, listen, I'm converting because I had a, you know, I had a dream. Fine. Or people who convert, like in the times of Mordechai and Esther. You know what this is talking about? Fair weather fans. Yeah, fair weather fans. People who, uh, you know, people who follow the Yankees when they're winning. Right? After Mordechai, and any Mets fan can relate to that. Yeah? After uh, Mordechai and Esther, so all of a sudden, Klai Yisrael's uh, things are going well. Oh, I'll convert to Judaism. Yeah, it's a good time to convert. Yeah? Amazing. Okay? Einam Gerim. Says Reb Nechemia, no, it's not valid. You know how to be a kosher ger? Listen to this. Ad is gairub is A valid ger. You don't, you don't need to accept converts when there's anti-Semitism. When things, when there's anti-Semitism, <laughs> Padres, ever since Tony Gwynn, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, any, it says the Gemara, nowadays when there's anti-Semitism, somebody wants to show up, you'd be like, hey, why in the world do you want to be Jewish? Doesn't make any sense. It must be you're doing it for the right reasons. That's what Reb Nechemia says. says Gemara, what do you mean uh, today? Yeah? What does it mean today? Ela'ema kibizmanazeh. Doesn't mean that only like during the times of the Gemara. It means in Gullus, right? The Gemara was written in Bavel, Talmud Bavli. Rabbi Chemia means it has to be when Klal Yisrael is not on top. Things don't look so great for us. And somebody shows up, we'll accept them as a ger. So bottom line, the Gemara is uh, reading all this, this whole opinion of Rabbi Chemia to ask a question. Our Mishnah said that if somebody has an affair with a non-Jewish woman, and then she converts. Now that I marry her, ask the Gemara, why is it even a valid conversion? She shouldn't be considered Jewish. She's marrying, she, she converted because she plans, uh, you know, in quotes, she's really converting. But she went and married a Jewish guy who was rumored, you know why she converted, for him, not for the Rabbi Nishlael. Says the Gemara, Ha'idmar Allah, we already said about the price. The bottom line is, granted, that's the opinion of Rabbi Nechemia, but we don't pass him like Rabbi Nechemia. And he says, says the, says the Chachamim, that if people convert, even if it was for an ulterior motive, like they want to marry somebody, so after the fact, it's a valid Geras. Says the Gemara, if that's true, why are we saying that you, you shouldn't marry her? A guy's rumored to have an affair with non-Jewish woman. She converts. So tell the guy to marry her. She's Jewish. What's the problem? Any, any reason to withhold anymore? Says the Gemara, yeah. Because of Ravasi. Ravasi. Ravasi says, Remove from yourself stubbornness. Yeah, like the... Uh, you know, the stubbornness of the mouth, and the krumkite, the twisting of, of uh, your lips. Okay, you know what it means? Stay away from things that don't look good. It doesn't look good. 
It's not the way for a Jew to, it's, it's not what a Jew is supposed to do. It doesn't look good for you. And therefore, l'chatchila, you're not uh, supposed to marry her. But if you did, okay, fine, you did. We're not going to tell you're obligated to divorce her. Tana Rabbanu, the rabbis learned, so should we, Eimei Kabim, Gerim, Limaisa, Mashiach. In the times of Mashiach, we're not going to accept Gerim anymore. You hear this? Mashiach's coming. This is their last chance. Anybody who wants to convert to Judaism, it's the last chance. Because once Mashiach comes, once Mashiach comes, no more. Ki Yitzibai. Similarly, like Kiblu Gerim, Leib Mei Dov, Leib Mei Shlomei. They did not accept any converts in the day of David and the day of Shlomei. Times were too good. Um, Rav Elazar says, My how do you know that we're not going to accept Gerim when Mashiach comes? Hain, Gar, Yagor. Hain, behold. Gar, Yagor. The Ger will convert. Fs, if not for. May Icy. Me. Hain, Gar, Yagor. Fs, May Icy. Me, Gar, Itach. Alayich Yipol. Okay, let's take apart this Pasuk. I'm just going to translate it literally, and then we'll explain it in context. Hain, behold, gar yagur, a ger will come to convert. Interesting, by the way. Uh, I, I want to mention something on this. It's a very interesting idea. Why, very often in Gemara, we, we talk about a ger that comes to convert. You should call him a guy that comes to convert. Oh, yeah. Right? Very often we say, ger shen is gayer, A ger who converts. Why don't we say, guy shen is gayer? Right? Interesting, interesting question. So let, let's read the Pasuk and then we'll, we'll get back to that. There's a beautiful idea. Gar Yogur, a ger who comes to convert, Fs may icy, if not for me, Hashem, okay, me Yogur, me Gar Itach, one who uh, is going to convert Itach with you, Alayich on him, ye Paul will fall. Literally meaning will, will die, will achieve Eilam Hava. Okay, which means that when a person converts, when things are not well, okay, meaning when Klal Yisrael is separated from Hashem, that's when they can lie in Gan Eden with all the Yidin. But other people, you can't just join after the fact. Okay, so, um, so that's how we know in the times of Mashiach, we're not going to accept Gerim. Okay, but this idea of Gershon as Geir is very interesting. What time is it? I don't, I don't know. Um, five to... Five to, okay, so uh, quickly, and then we'll, we'll get a little further. Um, it's brought down that whenever somebody converts, they, their neshama stood with us at Harsinai previously. And therefore, Gershon Esgayer is telling us that when somebody converts, you actually know that he was part of the, his neshama was already there as part of the mishpacha originally. He already has like an element of Gerus with him. Okay, let's get a little, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go over another couple minutes over here. Uh, uh, cover a little more ground. Two dots. If a person is suspected and there's rumors about him living with a married woman, Omar Rav, Rav says, there actually were witnesses. Then we say, you got to get rid of her. Omar Rav says, I say, Rav, Omar, when Rav said this, he was he was uh, he was sleeping a little bit. Meaning, it's it's a mistake. Titani, we learned in Hebrides, uh, a person has rumors about about having an affair with a married woman. And therefore, we tell her husband to divorce her. She marries somebody else and gets divorced from that person. If the original 
a man who had an affair with her marries her, he could actually keep her because there was another marriage in between. So you know that that affair is not directly connected to this marriage because he could have lost her. What's the case? If there's originally witnesses, so when somebody comes along and marries her, so that, that stops the, the noise, that stops the rumor, who cares? There's still witnesses and therefore she's not allowed to sleep. She's not allowed to marry the adulterer. Ella loved Leke. It must be there was no witnesses. The, the reason why we say that if the if the the adulterer would have married her, you have to divorce her, is because there's a call. But if not for the call, we would say that if there's no witnesses, you got to get rid of her. Amar Lachrav says Gemara to respond. Who The same thing would be true. Even if there's no other rumor coming to, there's no other action coming to st- come and stop the rumor. If there are other, Edom will stop. But if there's no other witnesses, we're not going to say he has to divorce her. And this is what we mean. Even if another marriage happens in between to stop the rumor, still, he's not allowed to marry her. They asked a challenging question. When do we say that the adulterer is obligated to divorce the woman that he had an affair with? That's only when she has no previous children. Very interesting. But if she has children, we're not going to force her second husband to divorce her. Why? Because then people are going to say that her original children are really mamzerim, and we can't allow noise to go out about Jewish kids in Klal Yisrael. However, let's say there's taka witnesses that said there was actually an affair, then listen, that's, your, that's the parents' own mistake. The only thing we could do here, even if she has many children, we're still going to say she's got to be divorced from the second guy. Bottom line is, you see, ask the Gemara a question, you see from here that when there are no children, you need to divorce even without Adam. So why did our why did Rav say only when there is Adam are you obligated to divorce? Answers the Gemara. Rav Masnison. Rav is really uh, basing himself off of our Mishnah, which he's saying b'sheyeshla banim v'yeshla Adam. He explains our Mishnah to be talking about where there were children and there are witnesses. So there's children. So now. I were nervous people are going to call them Amzerim. No, there's witnesses. So if there's witnesses, you're obligated anyway to, um, to uh, divorce her. Okay? In other words, Rab's Chiddush is not to tell us that you always need Adem. He's just letting us know that when you have Adem, the circumstances are going to change. And says the Gemara, why does Rav want to interpret our mission like that? We're dealing with our children from the first marriage and witnesses. The reason why you gotta, they need to get divorced is because there were witnesses. But if there weren't witnesses about the original affair, we wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't need to get divorced. Why don't we explain the mission to be talking about where there was no children? Because even if there's no children, even if there's no witnesses, we should force them to divorce her. Why? There's no witnesses. Yeah, true. But there's also no children. So what are you doing together? Uh, there's rumors. Doesn't look good. Don't allow the guy to keep her. Amara, Amara, says, no, Mastisan say our mission actually is going to be a question. It's going to be like a kasha. It's going to be a question. My area did Tani. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Amarava, Mastisan say The reason why Rav interpreted the mission like that is because he had a question on our mission. What was his question? My area did Tani Why did the Mishnah say, that they, he needs to let her go. Listening, it should have said, 
that he divorces her. Instead of saying that Haitsi'uha means they divorce her. They are saying they divorce her. It should say he's divorcing her. Why, why do you bring in Bezdin over here? Or other people. I shouldn't say Bezdin. Other people. Elakol Haitsi'u, Bezdin, you know what it means? Anytime you have they, that's referring to Bezdin, Ubezdin, Be'idim, Hudamafke, and the only time a Bezdin will force a marriage to end because of an affair is when there were witnesses about that affair. And that's what was bothering Rav. So Rav's saying that, listen, you know why our Mishnah says if you have an affair, a, a rumored affair, and then you marry this woman, you got to get rid of her? You know what the reason is? Because there were witnesses. Okay. If there were no witnesses... You're not obligated to divorce her. So Rav's bothered by just the verbiage of the Mishnah, and that's what he's coming to clarify. Another way to answer this is Hani Mastis and Rebbe. Our Mishnah is following the opinion of Rebbe, which Rav's not following, the Tanya, because we learned in a Brisa, Reichel Yaitse Veisha Chaigeres Besinar. Reichel Yaitse. A Reichel is a peddler. Yaitse, who goes out, Veisha, and a woman, Chaigeres, is, is uh, tying herself. Besinar uh, in her, uh, you know, besinar uh, is meaning in her her uh, clothing, uh, her clothing compartment. Um, my Rebbe, Rebbe says, what does that mean? Okay, in other words, here's what happened: a guy comes home, and his wife's at home, his wife's at home, and he sees his his wife's home with the uh, peddler, okay, this traveling salesman, and he sees his wife looks like she's uh, starting to get dressed. Well, what's going on? Since, you know, he didn't actually see the affair, but it's quite clear what happened. Tate's a, you're obligated to divorce. There's no witnesses. It doesn't matter. The husband himself is the witness. Reich, Lamala Menakila. Or, if let's say you found spit, Lamala Menakila, um, uh, uh, above the bed. Meaning, there are signs that this peddler was in bed. So Rebbe says, because to the husband it's mechor, you got to uh, you go out. And the last case, top of tomorrow's daf, another circumstance, there's shoes under the bed. Since it's mechor adover, you got to go out. Now, are there witnesses? No. But you see that even when there's a very strong assumption, which rumors can be included in, this still tells the husband he's obligated to divorce his wife. Okay. Now, um, if that's true, if that's true that he's obligated to divorce his wife, by definition, you know what that tells me? Here's the whole catch to this, and we'll pick up on this. We'll, we'll dwell on this a little more tomorrow as well. The catch is, if she's going to be ushered to her husband, anytime you're forbidden to the husband, you become forbidden automatically to the adulterer. And this guy's the adulterer. So the moment we tell the husband you got to divorce, that means from here on forth... There's no marriage, and that's why, there's no way these two can marry, and that's why we tell the husband, you get rid of her. Oh, uh, um, okay, we'll hold it here for today, and uh, we'll keep focusing on this idea. Bezram, tomorrow, have a wonderful, wonderful evening. A good night of Shabbos. We'll see everybody tomorrow afternoon. Bezram, Hashem.